0: Alright everybody, welcome to the WWE podcast for this Tuesday, July nineteenth, twenty twenty-two. And believe it or not, less than two weeks until SummerSlam. It's upon us. We're more than halfway through July, and then we'll be into August. I, I know I give kind of a date update every time I talk, every time I or every time I do a podcast. But, it, I mean, it just, it's amazing. And I, I swear, as, the older you get, the faster time goes. I know this is super just overused cliche, but you don't really understand it until you actually get older. And it just seems like it. And I don't know. The, the old saying of the days are long and the years are quick is about as real as it gets, especially when you have kids. Uh, anyway, let's move into Monday Night Raw. And my goodness, um, you know, it felt like at times... One big infomercial for next week's Raw. And if I was in attendance for Raw this past week, I'd be a bit insulted, but yet understanding about what they're doing. And I understand that it's in Madison Square Garden. And every time they're in Madison Square Garden, even if it's not a Monday Night Raw, if it's just some plain old house show, they make a big deal out of it. And I mean, case in point, Exhibit A is this past year at WrestleMania during the WrestleMania build of Brock and Roman. How many How many times did we see Roman attack Brock Lesnar when uh, he was facing, um, I forget who was it, for the WWE championship? Uh, Forget who it was, but Roman Reigns attacks Brock and bloodies him. And, you know, I feel like I saw that clip, which wasn't even on TV, more than I saw clips that were actually on TV it was amazing and they just like to make a big deal out of it and i understand it's the world's most famous arena it's a historic building all that it's wonderful and i get it uh, but boy how many times let's take an over under guys how many times next week during promos not even counting the announcers which are going to just drive it into the ground how many times next week are we going to hear the phrases for, in in promos or in interviews from wrestlers uh the words MSG, Madison Square Garden, New York City. Let's take an over under 30, maybe. Let's start the bidding at 30. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be crazy. So uh, maybe you can make a drinking game out of it if you wish. But I wouldn't advise doing that. You won't last more than probably 20 minutes. And so anyway, you know, and, you know, it also makes me a little bit excited because they know they're in a big city, the biggest market they have. And they know that they need to put on a good show. And they advertised. Next week's Raw pretty heavily, but let's talk about this Monday night, because there were some things to to really sink your teeth into, and some things that really did not sit well with me, and we'll, we'll talk about that, but first, what would the opening of this show be without me shamelessly, annoyingly plugging my ad-free podcast, because this show is, yes, ad-filled, I know, but you got to keep the lights on, and I do appreciate all the sponsors of the show, but... But, 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 I understand it does sometimes hinder the listening experience for all of you, and there's a way to get rid of that for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash wwe podcast. You can get yourself 100% ad free, and I'd really recommend you do that because that way you don't have to skip through ads or you don't have to uh, be turned off by the show if you just aren't an ad listening person, and I know some of you aren't. I'm not. I get it. But, again... I appreciate it for all the sponsors that we have, because uh, that's how you grow. And I really do know that, uh, you know, a lot of podcasts feel the same. And so anyway, with that said, I want to give a shout out to our latest patrons, our newest patrons of the show. And I want to make sure if I already gave you a shout out, you're getting a double shout out. David Taylor. Thank you. And Sarah and Grace Dando. Boy, I hope I didn't screw that up. Dando or Dando. I'm going to say Dando. Uh, So Sarah and Grace and David Dando. Thank you all for your patronage to the show. It is much appreciated. And if you go, by the way, guys, we have a subscription-based model there now. So if you want to go ad-free for a year, you get 10% off or 15% off. Uh, Check out the deals that are on our Patreon page. So if you are a long-term subscriber and you're, you're, you're of that mindset, then go ahead and do that, uh, but it's for new subscribers only. Right now, Patreon, strangely, not by my own doing, doesn't allow people who are already on as patrons to take advantage of the deal. Don't shoot the messenger. It's Patreon who won't let me do it. Otherwise, I'd offer it. So uh, anyway... That's where you can go for a dollar a month. And of course, the tiers get higher as the benefits get better. And there's other things you can do. But uh, for right now, guys, I appreciate it if you check that out. And on uh, Apple Podcasts, we do have Apple Podcasts available ad-free too. Okay, so Monday Night Raw, again, I, let's talk about something that I want to uh, really dig into that I liked. Let's talk about something positive right off the bat. And I know some of you are not on the theory train yet. I get it, right? He's still maybe in your eyes viewed as the, the protege of Vince. He hasn't proven himself yet. He's too young, all, all that. He doesn't really have the maybe a look that you like. Whatever it may be, I mean, it's getting undeniable that Vince may have chosen correctly here. Again, not just in storyline. Vince seemingly right now, to me, has proven, because Vince has to run things by me, as you can tell, uh, but he has proven to the fans as a whole, I think, that we are starting to see what he sees or what he has seen that we didn't see until he showed it to us with giving with giving theory an opportunity and giving him an opportunity on the microphone for l- like long periods of time, multiple minutes, where they don't have to protect him and they know he'll do well on the mic. He's beyond his years of wisdom on the microphone. He's not CM Punk. He's not, you know, MJF. He's not Paul Heyman. And he's not The Rock. He's not John Cena. Just to name a few. But given his age, and given really just the, the general roster of people that he's working with in promo ability, he's gotta be top five on Raw. I mean, seriously. Maybe you could make a case out of the whole roster. I don't yeah, active roster, not legends. I mean, he's think about this. I would argue that theory is better on the microphone than Brock Lesnar, given the age difference of 20 years. Isn't that amazing? I would argue that Brock Lesnar is worse on the microphone than theory. Not a bigger star. I'm not arguing that, but just that one element alone. And that just speaks volumes. Now, Brock isn't exactly and has never been known as a great talker, but my point is that it seems as if Vince may have chosen right with theory. I'm not making a total judgment call yet. There's a whole much, there's a lot more work that needs to be done and shown and proven to the fans. But the the, the, the poise he has on the microphone, the look he has, the youth, the guy's in his mid-freaking 20s. What were you doing in your mid-20s? I know what I was doing. I know what I was doing. And that's saved for a uh, you know a uh, after-dark show that's not suitable for the family. I'll say that Uh, you can probably guess what most mid-20s guys are doing, generally speaking, stereotypically, not saying everyone, but I kind of fell into that party crowd. So my point is the guy is ahead of himself, and I love the way he speaks on the microphone. And this past week when he was running down AJ Styles, it was well done. I think he defeated AJ Styles on the microphone. AJ Styles is kind of hit and miss. Where he trips up on his words sometimes. He stumbles a little bit. He he has also, I don't think, ever been known as an excellent promo. Like, you look at him and you go, he's, he's, he's good. Sometimes he's really good, but he's never just jaw-dropping. That's never been AJ Styles' thing. He's always been an in-ring talker, so to speak. And, you know, he's made a great career out of it. Of course, he's a Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. But I think on the mic, he defeated AJ Styles. Theory did. And then their match that they had was... Really good. I mean, what the hell did you expect from AJ Styles in Theory other than just, you know, you could watch this as an Iron Man match. So I think they did a really good job in this matchup. You know, uh, but before he Theory came to the ring, he spoke about how he was going to cash in his briefcase at SummerSlam. AJ Styles interrupted him. That led to a match after uh, with Dolph Ziggler watching from ringside. And then as uh, the match had a very quick pace, it felt more competitive, I think, than most of the other matches on the show. Both of these guys look just awesome, I think. And, uh, you know, the- Ziggler then nailed Theory, excuse me, with a another super kick behind the referee's back outside the ring. This caused Theory to get counted out. And the, the ending wasn't great, wasn't super satisfying, but AJ Styles wins via countout. The match was really good. The ending was a little flat, but it still raised questions of what the hell is Ziggler's deal with Theory? You know, like what what is happening here? Does WWE even know? Ziggler has yet to say a word. He's coming out in his suits. He hits a sweet chin music. Theory, you know, gets stubbed for the second week in a row with no explanation. Now, Ziggler Theory, of course, is a matchup that we're all like, oh, yeah, well, duh, that's going to be fine, right? Like, you know, based on both guys' abilities that we've seen in the ring, there's going to be zero issue for a matchup here in terms of match quality. That's that's not even a conversation that needs to be had. It's just more storyline. Like, what's, what's going on? And that's the part that WWE oftentimes stumbles with. It's the why. Why are you doing something? What are you doing? You know? And why are you doing it? So... We will see if we get an answer. I have my doubts. But uh, that uh, anyway, Ziggler is a babyface, I assume. And uh, yeah. So the other thing, you know, I, I was going to, I didn't even mention this yet as far as like the way Raw opened. I was very confused at the way Raw opened. It's very c- kind of weird. Um, it was Titus O'Neill delivering a speech about WWE. Basically, trying to, I would imagine remind the fans and more importantly the stockholders, shareholders, investors, and how many synonyms can I say for uh, just investor, but the the just the perception to the public in general and sponsors that are watching and network network executives, everybody, um, that you know hey, Vince may be under investigation, but look all the good look at all the good stuff we do. look at what kind of company we are. And they trust Titus to go out there. I think and do a little bit of proactive damage control. That's what I th- took out of this. Raw has never opened like that, ever. And do I think it's coincidence that with Vince under investigation, st- with uh, things coming out, you know, worse and worse for Vince every time we hear a new a new finding in the investigation? Do I think it's coincidence that you have Titus O'Neil? as the, the global ambassador for WWE, come out and remind everyone on a national stage what WWE stands for, all the good work they do. They stay out of politics and religion, all that. You know, d- is it coincidence? Hell no. Of course it's not. It's a PR move. Is it a smart PR move? I mean, it doesn't hurt. I don't think it hurt. It's a little weird. But Titus coming out there and just being essentially a a five to seven minute infomercial for WWE was different. But when you look at it, there is no other purpose that you could string together or connect the dots to other than Vince McMahon and the invest ongoing investigation where they're trying to deodorize the investigation and the stink of it. Kind of a weird analogy, but (laughs) I guess it's accurate. Uh, they're trying to deodorize the whole situation by reminding people what WWE does and look at look at how great we are and a global ambassador. And we don't talk about politics and religion and all that stuff. So, I mean, Titus O'Neil, I, I have to say about that, I mean, off topic a little bit with Titus, Titus Worldwide, there, there could have been something there. You know, Titus wasn't the most majestic man in the ring, and he may be best known for Titus World Slide. Every time I think about Titus, you can't not think of Titus World Slide and uh, Corey Graves crying laughing on commentary if you don't know i mean you should know (laughs) like uh, okay maybe you're new to wwe or maybe you haven't seen it or maybe you haven't seen it in a while and you need to go pick me up today well go just youtube titus world slide It, it is one of the funniest unintentional moments in wwe history it still makes me laugh it's the most improbable thing ever to happen in wwe where titus didn't get hurt it was perfectly timed and it almost looked like he meant to do it, and then you realize he didn't in the same exact moment. It was hilarious. I think it was the greatest Royal Rumble they had in Saudi Arabia f- three years ago. Titus came out and tripped and perfectly slid under the ring, like full body, his entire body, not just partially tripped, his entire body. Like he was on a slip and slide and just whoosh, right under the ring. It made I, I, It makes me want to watch it now. With Corey Graves crying. It was perfect. Anyway, so beyond that, though, I mean, Titus, on a serious note, as Lance Storm would say, if I could be serious for a minute, I think there was more to Titus than we saw. You know, again, he wasn't a super athletic in in terms of the way we would define it today inside the ring. But I think there's more to Titus than meets the eye and not just being a global ambassador, which obviously WWE trusts him to be. And I think he does an, an admirable job and all that but i think there's more to titus than we ever saw he got a great reaction from the audience he's a likable guy he's he's he looks like he's read out of gq magazine uh obviously looks the part but he's got a great look to him as like a champion and and, and you know i don't know when, when he was doing his titus worldwide gimmick there was something there, and I'm like, all right, I, I can get on with this. And they just took him out of in ring competition and stuck him as a global ambassador. And they're like, well, Titus, we can fire you. And I don't know if this is the exact conversation, but that's at least perceived to me as if, hey, Titus, we're not going to really do anything with you. You might survive a couple more rounds of uh, of of those firings that happen every April. So you can either you know risk that, where we're not going to do anything with you, or. You can be our global ambassador. (laughs) Again, I'm not saying that's how it went. It just feels like that's how it went. And again, he's done, I think, a really nice job with that. And they do video packages packages from time to time with him as, you know, talking with uh, people who are being bullied or doing the anti-bullying campaign or whatever they're promoting at the time as a PR guy. And he is. But isn't that also what you want from a champion? I mean somebody that is your champion should represent your company exactly the way Titus does. So he's got that qualification nailed down. And he looks the part. He's you know, he's a good-sized guy. He's a nice guy. He's g- all that. Um so I just I don't know though. I think there was something there that I think is a, a ship that has sailed that I don't think will ever get back. I don't know. I've never ever talked about Titus O'Neil here, but I never had to because WWE never put him on the show. So anyway, I think it's all damage control for Vince. That's all it is. All right. So what happened after that? We got Bianca Belair and Carmella that, again, Carmella gets a Raw Women's Championship opportunity. She has to have gotten the most Raw Women's, just not even Raw, just like generally speaking, Women's Championship matches of all time. Now, she hasn't won a lot of them. But she, if there's somebody out there that is compiling these statistics, Carmella has to be really close to the top of the list of people that have gotten championship matches. I mean, it seems like every time you turn around, for some reason, with no explanation, Carmella is in a championship match. Even though you know she's there to just enhance the champion, not to really win anything, it's still kind of remarkable how many opportunities she gets. But uh, Lynch he did also talk a little bit here, Becky Lynch, and uh, she was on commentary. She talked a lot of trash. We had uh, Belair ending up getting the KOD. The match was fine. And I don't think there was anything to complain about from an in-ring standpoint. Uh, other than, I mean, Carmella in-ring, she's ahead of the Divas era perform- or wrestlers. But her personality is a just a complete a complete uh, I guess adoption of the an intentional, unintentional adoption of the Divas era. I mean, she just feels Divas esque. Everything about her is superficial and I guess that's what's supposed to make us hate her, but it's just she's a constant reminder of what the Divas used to be in the whole Divas era. But that's neither here nor there. So the match was fine. Becky Lynch was uh sitting at ringside again and I think did a nice job on commentary. I will say the whole theme about trains, did somebody watch like Shining Time Station before the show? Or, I mean, just like a documentary on trains, and they were, the, the, something just clicked in their head, and they're like, ooh, I got it. I'm going to have my entire promo about trains, and I'm going to make sure that everything I say is a train pun. It, it was almost like a some kind of running joke after a while. Now she Becky Lynch tried to make herself out to be the little engine that could, knowing obviously that she's the exact opposite of that and and, and so I, I appreciate the references and somebody had to make a Choo Choo reference. Uh she's the, the Bex Express. She, you know it, it was a cleverly thought out promo, but I could do a little less with the train references. After a while it got a little much. It got a, a little much. Uh so it was it was almost as if she was trying to exhaust every train pun that she has ever come up with every train reference and just just like vomiting it out. And uh, so I again, I think it was just completely overdone with the train references. You know, at least this, I will say they didn't do the uh, Stroman express. So th- that whole sound effect, you know, I was waiting for the production team to hit that train button, Right. They have that, like, train choo-choo wait, waiting for that. And luckily, they didn't do that. <laughs> so that's one positive. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I didn't hate it. Just overdone. And it felt a little scripted. And Becky Lynch is usually really good about making her promos feel not scripted. For some reason, this felt a little bit too rehearsed and too cute to come up with on the spot. So that's the one complaint. I know, again, Becky Lynch promos are normally very good. This one didn't hit well with me. Just felt too cute for me. So... All right. Bianca Belair wins. So that was good. Uh, let's see here. Uh, some. Oh, OK. So I, I'm reading, to be fair. And some some of you don't like this. I don't know what to tell you because p- people think I'm lazy and I don't really watch raw. I just watch other people's and read other people's reviews and then try to claim them as my own. I don't do that. But uh, right now I tr- I have a bleacher report up and they have a note that says about uh, Titus O'Neill that his speech was good but it would have meant more if the owner of the company was not under investigation. Well, yeah, so that's true. Um, I'm just making sure I don't miss things guys. Cause I make notes, but a lot of times these sites do a better job of capturing the full picture. So let's see here. Um, what happened next? Ray Mysterio versus Damien Priest. So the story behind this one is actually one of interest to me because it's one that I've been advocating for and others on this show. And, you listeners too, uh, listeners of the show have been advocating for this too. Is wanting to see Dominic turn, having him turn, go to the dark side, and that's exactly what Damian Priest and Finn Balor were advocating for. Was to have him see his dad in a, a new light or a rather lack of light, and go to the dark side and uh, you know dispose of his dad and saying that you at the end of this matchup, you know you will join the Judgment Day. Like, that was the hook of this matchup between Rey Mysterio and Damian Priest. And, you know, um, the match, well, it was fine. Again, not, not, not there was really no bad matches here. And Rey Mysterio in the ring, I, I really had an appreciation for this because Rey Mysterio is a guy that uh, just seems to be timeless where he just doesn't miss a step or if he does, he covers it well and you don't really notice that he's he's really like a, you know, a, a guy that's middle-aged, beyond middle-aged. And it's really amazing how many bumps he's taken as a small man in wrestling, how many injuries, especially knee injuries, that Rey Mysterio's had throughout his career. And he's still able to perform at a level that we all expect. And ha- nobody's looking at Rey Mysterio going, oh man, it's like The Undertaker, he, sh- he should have retired. Nobody's saying that. It's amazing. You know, credit to uh, really Ray and, and whatever he's doing to keep his body in a... Uh, In a a very, I guess, high level and keeping it protected for all these years to the best that he can is really amazing. So this was a a matchup that, again, it wasn't bad, um, not really memorable. There were a few close calls. Priest was able to get the victory after his version of the Razor's Edge. And then Dominic, after the Judgment Day, Finn Balor and uh, Damian Priest were threatening to crush the skull of Rey Mysterio with a, a concerto, we had Dominic pr- try to protect his father and say, okay, okay, I'll join. And as soon as he said he would join, they turned on him and beat him down with a chair instead. So th- you know, I had no problem with this except for, well, I had a problem with this only because I want to see Dominic turn. I want to see him actually turn on his dad. He would be infinitely more exciting. It would be. I can't tell you how many more times exciting it would be. Than seeing him cover his arms with tattoos. To mask the lack of muscle mass he has on them. Uh, I think that's also kind of why Kevin Owens has done it. And, and, you know, this is just my my observation. My opinion is uh, the Kevin Owens and the Damien, or Damien. Kevin Owens and Dominic. Aren't exactly guys that are in the typical quote-unquote wrestler shape or bodybuilder shape that Vince likes. And so when you cover it with tattoos, it masks the lack of muscle mass that you feel like you should have or they feel maybe that Vince feels they should have. Uh, I'm not saying they're permanently marking up their body to to hide who they are, but I think there is that certain, at least on some level, I think that that is the case. At least even if it's 1% of the reason that they get the, the tattoos they do, especially Dominic, who has now covered, I think, his right arm nearly in tattoos. Uh, now, again, I'm not saying he's not doing it because he, he doesn't actually want those tattoos or he has some kind of real special deep meaning for whatever's on his arm. But it's just a little suspect to me. Who cares? Honestly, it's just an observation. So, the, again, I want to see Dominic turn. I want to see what that dark side looks like. We haven't seen it yet. Uh, his his He's also got all, on top of it all the problems he's got in terms of personality He's got a very childish voice to fit his childish look. Um, I think facial hair and just spending a year working out, eating a ton of food and bulking up eating clean and bulking up would really, really do absolute wonders for his career. The hilarious part to this, but also the frustrating part this is the last part of the last thing I'll say on this particular segment after they beat down Dominic. Dominic then told, I don't know, Sarah Schreiber, somebody, maybe I don't know who it was, Kayla, that he wasn't really going to join the Judgment Day. I'm like, well, no, you were to save your dad. So don't tell us you weren't. Are you, are you saying that you really weren't going to join the Judgment Day? What does, what does that mean? Like, were you, you, you weren't going to do it for your dad? Well, why wouldn't you? Right? He should have said, yes, I, I was willing to join them to save my father. Instead of saying, "I wasn't really going to join them," of course you were. Uh, I mean, you would, would, yeah, you were. You know, that was just like Dominic. Stop. Ugh, he's just. uh yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe they'll have a, a nice little hug, makeout session next week as uh, to make themselves feel better. I don't know. All right. So let's see here. Um. Oh, let me look at some of the notes about this though from Bleacher Report. It says it's starting to feel like WWE has lost some faith. It hadn't Dominic. He's not been wrestling on TV nearly as he, much as he used to. Um, Mysterio's gear was the exact same shade of green that Nickelodeon uses for slime. I didn't notice that. Uh, okay, sure. Moving on Ezekiel versus Seth Rollins was next. And after appearing earlier on the KO show, Rollins appeared or ended up in a match with Ezekiel. And it was competitive. Ezekiel did uh, end up of course as most baby faces do at the beginning of a match dominated the beginning of the match but rollins started to take over and then uh, we had rollins win and you know that's fine as seth rollins should this really is the only guy that seth rollins can beat for some reason this is, these are the only victories that seth rollins is getting are against ezekiel that, that's it. You know, For all the complaints that we have, oh, Seth doesn't win. WWE's like, hey, yeah, he does. Yeah, he's beating Ezekiel. Yeah, e- Ezekiel. You know, that's the problem. So uh, this was uh, a, the match was fine. Again, kind of fitting the trend of the night of just solid wrestling matches. No problems, no excuses and no complaints in terms of the wrestling ability or the wrestling uh, quality of this matchup. It was fine. I mean, that's it. And Seth Rollins wins as he should have. So, you know, that's it. The stuff with Corey Graves always mocking Byron hasn't been funny in a long time, especially it was noticeable during this show. Uh, I'm reading the notes. Um, The way Seth Rollins crotched Zeke on the top turnbuckle looked legitimately painful, and the way Zeke picked Rollins up into an electric chair was an impressive bit of power. Yeah, it was. Uh, That move, Ezekiel, or Elias, whoever, has definitely got a lot of strength on you know in in that body, no doubt about it. And I actually am a fan of Ezekiel Ezekiel. The Zeke freaks are kind of funny. I've believe it or not started to come around to the shaved face. It's still a little odd, but not as striking as the first time. And yeah, Corey Graves mocking Byron Saxton, that it's something that to me is just like white noise. I don't even hear it anymore. For whatever reason, it's like Corey Graves is picking on his little brother the entire not the entire, but but when he does pick on his little brother Byron Saxton, quote unquote, I don't even hear it. It's it just is is something that goes in one year and out the other. I think that the, the he's trying to create a dynamic between the three. He's trying to create a chemistry that Corey Graves is that guy. And Byron's the the moral compass of the show, doing things or, or talking about things that should be done that are the right thing to do and talking, you know, all that kind of thing. He's like, he's like our moral guide where Corey Graves does play the heel at times. He loves the Miz. He loves Carmela for obvious reasons, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So, I don't know, but yeah, Corey Graves is just constantly mocking or picking up Byron Saxton got old like in the first 10 minutes they did it. I just, I'm not a fan of it. So, all right, let's see. Omos and MVP versus the Street Profits, and this was okay. The match ended in DQ after just a couple minutes. MVP tripped Dawkins and the refs saw it. Adam Pierce came out, of course, and turned it into a tag team match, but the Profits ended up winning by DQ. So... While MVP did end up uh, tripping Dawkins in his matchup uh, prior to this, the Profits, of course, and MVP and Omos, it became a tag team match because, you know, WWE logic, whenever it's a two-on-one scenario and then somebody comes out to even the odds, that's just WWE logic. But the Street Profits did end up winning this match after by DQ after the Usos attacked them. And this led to Montez Ford and Angela Dawkins being taken out by Jimmy J and Omas, and this was this was okay. The Street Profits won, but did they really win, right? Um, so I got to say, you know, is anybody else tired of the the predictability of somebody coming out to even the odds, or some maybe somebody's at ringside in a one on one matchup, which in this case it was with Angela Dawkins and Omas, and you know. With uh, Montez Ford on the outside and with MVP on the outside of the opposing side, if there's any kind of tomfoolery, you know that eventually a tag team match is coming. And then Teddy Long, I mean uh, Adam Pierce comes out and makes the tag team match. I'm waiting for him to say, you know, to somebody like, and at SummerSlam you're gonna face the Undertaker. You know, how many? T- <laughs> another famous quote by Teddy Long. Uh, if you know, you know, I-Y-K-Y-K. So, I mean, I, I don't really have much to say about that. Uh, I already talked about Austin, or rather, Theory versus AJ Styles. No qu- uh, complaints there. And, uh, okay, so um, before the main event, we got Asuka, Dana Brooke, Alexa Bliss versus Nikki A.S.H., Tamina, and Dewdrop. And um, about two minutes into the, the match... Tozawa appeared from under the ring and pinned Dana Brooke to win the 24-7 title. Nikki, this is just awful. Nikki pinned him to win the title and then Bliss pinned her to win the belt. And Dewdrop immediately hit a crossbody to win it for herself before Tamina super kicked her to take hit from her. Aye, aye, aye. Brooke rolled her up to win it back before she ran away, even though Bliss pinned Nikki for the title. It appeared it did not stop the six-woman tag team match. This allowed Asuka to win with an arm bar on Nikki. This was a mess and not funny at all. If they're going to give us our truth, uh, this is this is directly from Bleacher Report. I'm quoting. Let's see if I agree. This was a mess and not funny at all. If they're going to give us our truth, then the 24-7 stuff needs to stop. <laughs> so they gave this a grade of F. Yeah. Uh, bad it's just 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 bad now I did say the theme of the night is wrestling but there's always that stinker of the show and really strangely or maybe not so strangely you make that call a lot of the times the things that are not good are the things that they try to design as comedy is that a coincidence you be the judge and this is just bad. And the 24 7 stuff, I know some of you find it funny. Some of you find it as, oh, I need a palate cleanser. I need something to break up the show. Do you really need this? Something that should have died a year and a half, two years ago? I mean, it's 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 a corpse at this point. It's it's not a it's it's almost like we're just seeing something on a time loop. It's just the same thing over and over, and people are you know, single file chasing each other around the arena. The same like five people. Everybody gets beat, beats everybody most of the time with a roll up. The title means absolutely nothing. That means seriously nothing. What you buy off WWE shop has more value than that championship on television. So this is this is bad. And on top of it, they're putting that crap in the middle of a women's tag team match. Oh, my God. All right. Then we get. The The Miz and Logan Paul in the main event of the show. Yeah. Now, to, to preview a little bit of next Monday night, Roman Reigns is going to be on Raw for the first time in like two months because Madison Square Garden is big enough for him to appear in. And I think Logan Paul said he's going to be there next week too. So, you yeah, know, for what the hell that's worth. But The Miz had Miz TV because that's what we do every single Monday night. I mean, that's just that's just what we do. Every single Monday night, I you know I'd like to hear the number of Monday Night Raws WWE has not had a Miz TV segment on in the last two years. It's it's got to be under like five. But to be fair, I don't know the last time Miz TV main evented a show. So, uh, but it was all about Logan Paul. He came out to booze as it should, and we had the Miz put on the, the screen about how they should be partners and look how great we did as a team and I protected you. And he cut the clip short before he turned on Logan Paul at WrestleMania. And Logan Paul said, no 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 let's play the rest of that clip. And of course we saw the Miz turn on Logan Paul. Now Miz chalked it up to trying to teach Logan Paul a lesson and uh we had Logan Paul try to attack the Miz but Champa, who is just the master of attacking people from behind, came out to uh to, to pull Logan Paul off of the Miz. And Logan Paul was able to get a couple of shots into both guys, but escape the ring. I mean, I don't know what to make of this. You know, I I, I know that this is about trying to get Logan Paul over as a babyface. I will say I don't think this hurt him. And hurt WWE in that venture to get him to an actual babyface position. But when it, when push comes to shove, I don't know if there's anything they can do in the next, uh, you know, twelve days, however long it is till SummerSlam, before that that event takes place, where they could get the crowd to solidly cheer for Logan Paul in boo the That's a tall task, my friend, because you're bringing in a guy that has a checkered past. He's very polarizing. Yes, he's got 23 million Instagram subscribers or whatever the hell it is. You know, he hung with Floyd Money Mayweather. No doubt about that. All, all, all that stuff. It's all true. Great athlete. Super strong. Super quick. He does kind of fit that WWE profile. Massive social media following. That's great because WWE can utilize that. That's that's probably made them salivate. And But all that, you roll all that up, and he's not a likable guy. As a, as a person, he's not very likable. When you listen to him on his podcast, you listen to him on YouTube or you know, when he was on Vine. Those of you don't know what I'm talking about with Vine. Um, he's not likable at all. Um, he's You have to try to like him, which is why I think he's great as a heel. And he, the WWE played it very nicely at WrestleMania and he, in a heel role. It fit very well. But I want to hear the reaction at SummerSlam. The reaction of The Miz versus Logan Paul. What does that sound like? It intrigues me because I really do wonder what WWE is going to do if the crowd turns on Logan Paul the second he comes out and cheers the Miz out of respect and and looking at Logan Paul as this outsider, this villain, this just uh, I mean, our organic villain. And generally, he is extremely polarizing, as I said. So, and also the the crowd that goes to to these events goes to SummerSlam that can afford it. And, and, you know, that kind of thing. It's the older crowd. It's not families that go to these events. Generally speaking, it's the older elder millennials like myself or the older Gen X's that are going to these events that are, again, usually not bringing their kids, although you will see families, but much fewer families. And that generation, my generation, doesn't look favorably on Logan Paul. It's just not inherently, he's not one of our gods that we look up to and say, I want to be a social media star, just like Logan Paul, right? So, anyway, I'm off the rails, but I want to hear the reaction. And this segment was okay. Um, I was disappointed this was the main event, I have to say. But this, again, when I heard this was the main event of the show, I said, well, they uh, pretty much promoted next week's Raw as the real Monday Night Raw uh, of, of the next couple of weeks. So... We do have that looking forward. Looking forward to that, and uh, you know Roman Reigns back. Of course, I you know Brock Lesnar will probably be back in some capacity as well. And I'm sure Roman will bring up the last time that he was there, and he'll say, "You know, huh, I'm seeming to remember something. You know, the last time I was here, I remember, you know, beating someone down and, and and bloodying somebody. You know, if they don't play on that, I mean, they're foolish. I'm sure next week they'll play the clip from WrestleMania season." When Roman beat down Brock at Madison Square Garden, because if you didn't know, boy, you'll know next week. <laughs> so, I'm, I would imagine they bring that history up, considering that they have a their final match. Let's all hope at SummerSlam in the last time, last man standing. You got to say it in that order: the last fight, the last time, the last match, last man standing. Something along those lines. You got to say it in the right order. You know, speak the company language, drink the Kool Aid. So. All right. Well, let's see what else happened. Um, I think that uh, did that actually do it. It might have. Yeah, I'm scrolling through. I think that actually may have done it. Oh, Edge is a little presumably Edge and his kind of, I guess, teasing even further wrote things in quote unquote blood of saying, I am coming to. And then it was just left blank. I would imagine the next word is SummerSlam. Or, uh, you know, it has to be. Or, you know, the name of the city. Where, where are you coming at? At this point, I'm just like, boy, they, they must have a real plan for Edge here. Because the Judgment Day also, on top of, uh, you know, trying to get Damian Priest to turn into the dark side, did talk about Edge for the first time. And then, so they're, they're trying to bring Edge's uh, injury back into the minds of fans as it was, what, five, six weeks ago now, it feels like, since the they ousted Edge. So they're bringing you back to the fold, the audience, that is, reminding you what happened so that when Edge returns, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. And I think Edge will get cheered. So, and I, again, I'm not a proponent of that group breaking the way they did with Edge. I think that's a big mistake. But I've said that too many times, and that'll do it for me, guys. I think that uh, we we will conclude here. I'll be back tomorrow with the mailbag or probably Thursday. I have to say uh, it's difficult for me to put this out on Wednesdays. I still want you guys to get me your voicemails and emails by tomorrow. If you could by you know, late in the evening, I'm I'm Eastern standard time. So if you get it to me, like, you know, nine, 10 o'clock, or I'd say 9 PM Eastern standard time, you'll be able to get into the show. But more than likely the show will be published on Thursday only because Wednesdays have now been kind of earmarked for my video podcast that I do, my one hour video podcast that I do for the DuPont Network. So, dupontnow.com, you guys can check it out because uh, I can't do two shows like that. I have to edit video that takes hours (laughs) and then try to do a mailbag, which takes another hour and a half to two hours. There's just literally no time. So, um, on Wednesday nights, it may be more difficult for me to publish normally, and then the mailbag may be pushed to Thursday, as you'll notice. Thursday, it has been coming out more and more than Wednesday. So just a little thing that I want to let you guys know. But the mailbag's not going anywhere. Just maybe a little late, uh, later than it used to be in years past. So anyway, thank you guys for listening. Go ad free at patreon.com slash podcast for a dollar a month. You can also get that dollar a month at Apple. Apple podcast has an option for 99 cents a month or $10 for the entire year for ad free experience, which I'd really encourage. Or wwepodcast.com. Go VIP. Use promo code Roman. Get 50% off your first month. How about that? All right. Everybody, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Give us a five-star rating anywhere you can. And take care. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.